0: Hi, Nexters. I'm your host, Colin Pinar, and you're listening to Next Topic, a podcast where we discuss tomorrow, today. On this episode, we're going to hear about a quest. A quest that will change the lives of thousands, if not millions of people. A quest to create a universal flu vaccine. If you have seen the chilling Netflix docuseries, Pandemic, How to Prevent an Outbreak, you'll already be familiar with our speaker. Join us as we learn about the journey to create the Centivex broad-spectrum vaccine from Distributed Bio's immune engineer extraordinaire, Sarah Ives. Thank you very much for having me at this virtual summit. Today, I'm going to talk about how we can use computational immunology to design and build broad-spectrum vaccines that can work for rapidly mutating viruses and other pathogens. So first, I want to start out by stating something that may be somewhat obvious, and that's that vaccines work. So vaccines have eradicated or largely eliminated many of the diseases that once plagued humanity. They are a worthwhile technology to invest in. Um, There's a lot of misinformation out there, but the point of it is they work and they significantly reduce the burden of pathogens that once hunted us. Um, Since essentially the beginning of time. The problem with vaccines, though, is that they don't always work well enough. They aren't perfect. They especially don't work that well against rapidly mutating viruses like influenza and some other types of viruses. We do know that coronavirus, for example, could become seasonal like influenza if the mutation rate. Um, goes above a certain threshold. We might see it year after year after year. So vaccines, especially vaccines against coronavirus that could protect against future variants are very important. And influenza, like coronavirus, has the potential to cause pandemics. We have seasonal flu vaccine, but they are limited in their efficacy because they only work for that current year, and even then, they're only around 40 to 50% effective, and they also don't work against future viral variants. And this need for a broad, long-lasting influenza vaccine has been recognized by Bill Gates and many other people and researchers, as well as Netflix and 0.0 production, who decided that this would be um, a, a good way to educate people on what a pandemic virus could look like um, and what kind of efforts are being um, currently sought out to try to find a universal flu vaccine. That's why my company, Distributed Bio, specifically Jacob Glanville and I were featured in the Netflix series, Pandemic. And it was interesting because this was actually released within a day of uh, Wuhan declaring the coronavirus an epidemic. So we know what a pandemic looks like now. We don't need the Netflix show to tell us. We can just look at the news. So it, I think we all understand the importance of generating medicines that will protect us from one of these the next time it comes around. And at our company, we're focusing on influenza. So what we have here is, we have a question. Can you even make a vaccine that will protect against future variants of the flu? So we have on the left here is... Uh, basically an artist's rendition of influenza virus. It's a sphere that's decorated with a series of viral coat proteins. These are surface coat proteins. Um, these are hemagglutinin and neuraminidase. Those are their names. And what's rotating in the middle is an image of hemagglutinin. This is one of the surface coat proteins. And this is actually a heat map where amino acids on the surface of hemagglutinin that are highly mutable. So these change from year to year are in black and amino acids that are mostly conserved. So they stay the same from year to year across strains, across subtypes and across decades are shown in red. So we know that parts of hemagglutinin change very frequently and parts mutate. And we also know since about 2004 that antibodies that are targeting these sites or epitopes that don't change from year to year actually do confer broad protection against multiple strains and potentially future strains as well. Um, Some of these antibodies from literature are called CO5, CR9114 and F10. They're known as broadly neutralizing antibodies. So in theory, a vaccine that would elicit antibodies against sites like those should confer broad neutralizing protection against future strains, including pandemic strains. But making a universal vaccine is hard, making any vaccine is hard to actually get the immune system to do what you want. So we've done a distributed bio is we've actually quantified why is it hard to make antibodies against a particular section of the virus? And why do we fail? Why have universal vaccines failed thus far in generating truly broad future protection? And why do the seasonal vaccines also fail to do so in most cases? So we had to quantify a bit of the immune system first. We had to look at how many antibodies does your body make? So we know that the human immune repertoire is about 100 million unique B cells. But when you get a vaccination, your body only elicits about 1,000 antibodies. And of those, only about 100 are actually seroconverted to be circulating antibodies. So that's actually half the problem right there is we found out that we don't have enough shots on goal. We only have 100 shots on goal when we when we give ourselves a vaccine. And then we have to look at, okay, well, how likely is it that we'll get that shot on goal? So we had to look at how many goals are there? Is our goal a moving target? And we've actually quantified on the surface of hemagglutinin on the left side, um, this here, the hemagglutinin, we look at how many different ways can an antibody bind or dock or stick to hemagglutinin? And... We've done various computational protein protein docking studies and have demonstrated that there's over a million possible ways that an antibody can bind to hemagglutinin, the surface coat protein on influenza. And in that one million, there's actually, when an antibody binds, it's only about 10 to 14 amino acids that are actually critical for that antibody binding. So if you consider the critical epitopes, there's actually over a billion. So there's a billion ways an antibody can bind, but we only get 100 tries. So 100 out of a billion or more, that fraction is not in our favor. So that's the problem, it's just a numbers game. There's, we don't have enough antibodies and we don't have enough shots on goal. And the goal is a moving target. So this is actually why vaccines fail against rapidly mutating viruses. And now we've quantified that. And we'll have more detailed methods um, coming out in our paper that's being submitted for publication soon. So then knowing this, we wanted to design a new type of vaccine. How can we coerce the immune system to target only those sites that are shared and conserved across all strains? So how do we make, given that we only have 100 shots on goal, how do we make all 100 count? And how do we focus that 100 onto the particular sites of the virus that don't change from year to year? Because if we did so... We could generate a vaccine that will work not just for that year, but forever. So what we did to do that is we actually analyzed all known sequences of influenza. There's over 6,000 of them. And we built an algorithm that will look at all more than 6,000 strains, and it will pick out the strains that are the most different from each other. So start with one and find the most different one, the most different one. And we've actually developed, or we came up with a subset of a grouping, an ensemble of um, a number of the most different looking strains. And then we actually just use the hemagglutinin portion of that. And we co-administer all those strains together in an animal, each at a very, very low dose. This is a fraction of the dose that's normally used in um, normal vaccines. It's a very small amount. But what that does, hopefully you can see my mouse, is when it's very dilute b cells or b cell receptors that will recognize an antigen in a vaccine if they only can recognize one component for example h1n1 1995 they won't get enough dose to activate and that antigen will essentially be invisible to the immune system however b cells that recognize shared components or shared sites across all of the viruses will therefore get manifold higher dose like this B-cell receptor here that is shown being decorated by all these types of um, hemagglutinin proteins. And then in that way, that antibody will be activated. So it can seroconvert and produce antibodies that are protective. And those antibodies are specifically targeting sites that don't change. So the goal is take this large ensemble, co-immunize an animal with many different types of flu, each at a very low dose. That way we dilute out strain-specific responses, and select for breadth. And we have a patent on this method. Um, it was published in 2018. We're also going to be publishing our paper on this as well. So that was a theory, but then we had to test it out. So we purchased all the vaccine components. We got it all set up in lab. And here I am mixing, starting to mix some vaccine components to start our first study. And we did this study in Guatemala. Um, our The co-founder and CEO of Distributed Bio is from there. Um, We know many people there. It was was a great place for us to build a lab. And we ran this study in pigs. Pigs are a great model for for flu because they get flu. We would like to make this a universal vaccine for both pigs and humans. So what we're showing showing here in our first um, study is that we have several cohorts of pigs. One pig or one group of pigs receives Salt, water and adjuvant. That's the vehicle control. Another group of pig receive the bivalent seasonal control. So this is a control vaccine that pigs would normally get to protect them from influenza. It contains two types of hemagglutinins. Um, That's why it's called bivalent. And then we also administer um, our Centivax vaccine, which is that low dose ensemble of antigens. Um, with many antigens in the mix. And what we find is that the pigs that receive the Senivax vaccine here, they're able to produce antibodies that are broadly reactive to a century of influenza viruses, spanning H1N1, H3N2, H6N2, H7N7, H17, etc., back from 1918 all the way out to 2015. This is really interesting because that means that we are able to not only demonstrate that this method works, but show that we're getting robust serum activity. So we're actually generating antibodies in these pigs that are binding a century of influenza. And this is in stark comparison to the bivalent group. These pigs produce some response to the antigens um, that are contained in their vaccine Um, They are indicated by the blue arrow. And as we would expect, those pigs have some serological reactivity to antigens that look very similar to those. Like, for example, H1N1-2006 looks very similar to H1N1-2007. But then in 2009, all reactivity goes away. Um, That coincides, as you may know, with the H1N1 swine flu pandemic. So this was really cool. This is a picture of what this type of result looks like. These are the kinds of data that I'll, I'll look at. We actually have machines that can quantify the optical density of the material in these wells to determine quantitatively how much these antibodies are binding the hemagglutinin. This was the first day we got. We were looking at these results and seeing that our. This is the first glimmer of hope we had that all this work we had put in was paying off, and the vaccine was actually working in pigs. But having antibodies that bind to the virus isn't enough. We actually need to show that we can elicit antibodies from a vaccination that will neutralize and kill live virus. So what I had to do in order for that to happen is I had to grow live virus. So I got eggs. I infected them with influenza. I cultured the influenza. This is a very typical method. I harvested... Um, a lot of influenza from these eggs. Um, and I had to isolate it in order to run these um, live neutralization studies. So here we have about 225 milliliters or more than seven ounces of concentrated influenza virus from the last 100 years. Okay. So here, what we're demonstrating then is we basically need to give the pigs the hardest test they've had so far. Can the is vaccine, protect them, and neutralize future strains of virus, including pandemic strains? So in order to answer this question, we designed a study as if it were the year 2008. We vaccinated all the pigs, both the bivalent controls and the Centivax pigs, as if it were the year 2008. So the bivalent pigs received two antigens from 2007, and the Centivax pigs received antigens from 1934 to 2007. And then I tested their blood for antibodies that could neutralize live viral infection. What we show is that pigs that receive the seasonal control vaccine were vigorously vigorously neutralizing the two viruses that corresponded to the hemagglutinins in their vaccine, H1N1-2007 and H3N2-2007. They don't have any ability to neutralize future viruses, so 2009, H1N1. They have some ability to neutralize H3s, um, but it's lost after 2011. And this is in comparison to our Senivax pigs, which received very, very small amounts of virus pre-2008. And they're able to vigorously neutralize not only viruses that are contained in their vaccine, which are shown in gray, but also viruses that are not in their vaccine. These are future viruses. This is a pandemic strain, H1N1 2009. This was a major antigenic shift event. They're able to neutralize not only H1N1 2009, but also H1N1 out to 2015 and H3N2s as well. So here we're demonstrating that we can not only get broad spectrum reactivity, but also neutralization of future heterologous and pandemic viruses for influenza. These are just some photos of what it's like to run these assays. Sometimes it's good to put that in perspective. A lot of time in the biosafety cabinet so it doesn't end here. Right now, we've taken these results. We've applied for grants with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and others, and we're continuing our studies by testing for um, live viral challenges in animals so that we can start human clinical trials as soon as possible. But it doesn't end with flu. The Senivax technology is an application. It's it's basically a core way that we can attack rapidly mutating viruses. This list here is a slide that we presented to Bill Gates over a year ago, long before the COVID-19 pandemic started. And I've actually been showing this slide since about 2017. It's a list of the pathogens that are most scary to us that we think the Senivax technology could actually solve. Things like like HIV, flaviviruses like dengue and Zika and coronaviruses. At, that, at this time, when the slide was made, we only had MERS and SARS, but now we have SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19. So this is just a brief overview of the Senivax technology. Um, you'll be hearing more from us soon and we'll be publishing our paper very shortly. It's in the submission process. So thank you all for having me. Um, special thanks to our team in Guatemala, our vet and all of our caretakers who did a great job at helping us with these studies, our team in the States, in California, and of course our pigs. Um, We try to name them all. They're really cute. Okay. And that is all. I am happy to answer any questions if we have time.